Hey everybody, it's Will Bangro with Pet Talk today. I want to thank all of you listeners for your continued support. I need a huge favor. Would you please hit pause in just a second, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. If you love what we do, would you please give us a five-star review? Giving a five-star review is the best way you can say thank you because that allows our rankings to go higher and that means that more people can benefit from the information that we're teaching and sharing on Pet Talk today. I don't want to take up any more of your time I want to get into that show, but please, if you love what we do, please give us a review. Thank you. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 vets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura, answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Mangura. Good Saturday morning, pet lovers. I'm Will Bangura. Thanks for joining me. This is Pet Talk today. I'm here each and every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Eastern Time for an hour where I help you with your dog's training and behavior issues. Hey, if you're new to Pet Talk today, uh, let me talk a little bit about how this is going to work today. If you've got a question about your dog's training, if you've got a question about your dog's behavior, do me a favor, go ahead and type that question into the comments section below. And also, please let me know where you're watching from and what kind of pets you have. As I said, I'm Will Bangura. I'm a certified behavior consultant. I'm also a certified professional dog trainer. I've been doing this for over 35 years. It doesn't matter what kind of problem you have with your pet. It doesn't matter if it's a simple nuisance behavior like counter surfing or jumping or excessive barking, pulling on the leash maybe. Um, Then again, maybe you've got a more serious problem and, and we do talk a lot about the serious behavior issues like separation anxiety, fears, phobias, aggression, reactivity, resource guarding. Um, I focus and and specialize on those more serious, more intense uh, behavior and training issues where they require a lot of behavior modification. Now, like I said, it doesn't matter what kind of problem you have. It doesn't matter what kind of dog you have. Just go ahead and type your question that you have, the problem you're having with your dog, in the comments section. And in a little bit, I'll be going to those questions and I will be answering them. So yesterday was National Bring Your Pet to Work Day. Did any of you bring your pet to work? If you did, let me know. And how did that go? Also, if you've been watching the show, and or listening to the podcast, and you've had success with the advice that I've given you, hey, we love that feedback. Come and let us know how things are going. Do me a favor right now. Go ahead and hit that like button. Yep, go ahead. Don't be shy. Hit that like button. Also, hit the share button so that more people can benefit from this and get the information that they might not otherwise get. Um, Also, you can visit my website at dogbehaviorist.com. If you need professional help, I do virtual behavior consultations all over the world, and it's very successful. So if you can't find somebody to help you, you need professional help, you can go to dogbehaviorist.com. Also, when you go to the website, check out the articles. I've got dozens and dozens of great articles, everything from jumping to barking to uh, aggression to fears to anxiety, uh, getting in the trash counter surfing, you name it. I've got lots of articles at dogbehaviors.com that can help you. Also, if you have not subscribed to the Pet Talk Today audio podcast, get down to wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure that you subscribe to the Pet Talk Today podcast. And if you love what we do, if you love Pet Talk Today, please give us a five-star review. Your reviews for our podcast at any of the podcast hosting uh, sites, especially Apple Podcasts, the rankings are based on reviews. So if you don't get reviews, you don't get ranked high. If you get a lot of reviews, you rank high. So we want to rank higher so that more people can benefit from what we're doing here. Um, Let's see what 
Well, like I mentioned, yesterday was take your pet to work day. Um, and if anybody did that, I want to know how that went for you. Okay. Um, I'm going to go straight to questions right now. I've got Lisa. Hey, Lisa, how are you? She says she's got a deaf five-year-old Aussie. Um, he's not fond of strangers. If they ignore him, he's fine. If they look at him too long or try to touch him, I think is what you were going to say. There's a typo there. Uh, he will bark occasionally, snap at the air. Well, the first thing that I want you and everybody else to understand when it comes to aggression. Aggression is this, when we talk about it, a lot of times, we're talking about what we see behaviorally. What's the outward symptoms, the behaviors? And, and you're talking about barking, um, occasionally snap at the air. So those are the outward behaviors. Your dog is doing that because it's anxious and nervous about the stranger. And your dog wants distance and space. So the barking is a distance increasing bark, and they sound different than barking for, hey, I want your attention. I want you to play with me. Hey, there's somebody at the door. So this distance increasing barking is a signal that dogs try to use, as well as the air snapping, to tell that perceived threat, I need space, back away from me. Your dog wants distance and space. So that's the first thing. Know what your dog's triggers are and know that if you put your dog in that same situation again, your dog's going to behave the same because you know this. It's a pattern. The first thing we need to do is avoid the triggers. I know you don't want to hear that, but if we're going to fix this problem, we have to have your dog no longer rehearsing and experiencing the situation, the behavior that we don't want. And we need to expose your dog to strangers in a very specific way, exposure therapy. But we call that counter conditioning and desensitization. And basically what you're doing is you're exposing your dog to strangers and changing the underlying emotional state the dog has and the perception that the dog has of the trigger. Right now it's negative. Strangers are scary for your dog and your dog wants space. And it tries to get that space by barking maybe lunging and the air snapping. And usually it works because when a dog does that, people will dissipate or you may pull your dog away. That's going to reinforce the behavior. That behavior becomes very functional. It got the dog the distance and space that it wanted. So the first thing you need to understand is keep your dog below threshold. What does that mean? That means that when your dog is around strangers, that distance has to be far enough away where your dog doesn't have a care in the world. Now, that might be a situation where right now you can't get far enough away from a stranger in the house. And if that's the case, you have to start this process outside because you exposing your dog to the triggers, you doing the behavior modification, you doing counter conditioning and desensitization, exposure therapy for your dog with strangers has to start at a distance where your dog does not have a care in the world. And when your dog sees a stranger at the distance where it doesn't have a care in the world, we're going to start feeding your dog extremely high value food rewards. Feed, 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 constantly and continuously the whole time your dog sees that stranger. We want to set up our own training sessions. We want to be proactive to work on this problem. We don't want to just be reactive every time somebody comes to the home. So three to five times a week, we're going to get a helper to expose our dog to strangers. We're going to start outside at a distance where the dog doesn't have a care in the world. That keeps the dog below threshold. Threshold is where your dog starts to get nervous. Over threshold, we start seeing those behaviors, the reactivity. We want to keep your dog below threshold. After we pair high-value food rewards with the scary stranger, but it's at a distance where your dog doesn't care, and we do that over and over for several weeks, three to five times a week, now your dog should be really happy about that experience and be understanding that, hey, when I see a stranger, I get food. Now that stranger is a good thing. And we move a little bit closer. Very gradually, very systematically, we get closer and closer and closer over time. But as we're doing the work, 
as we're doing behavior modification, as we're doing counter conditioning and desensitization, the exposure therapy, as we're getting closer at any point in time, the dog starts to show any, I mean, any sign of nervousness, anxiety, fear, back up. You've gone too close too soon. This can take weeks. This can take months. Okay. And that's just to be able to get that person closer to your dog. We haven't talked about touching yet. But this is all about counter conditioning and desensitization. This is all about exposure therapy. Now, I can't get into all of the little details that are so very important when it comes to counter conditioning and desensitization, which, by the way, is the gold standard. It is the way that you're going to help dogs that have fears, phobias, aggression, reactivity issues. I just did, um, on the 12th of June, I did a video. You could scroll down in the feed here on the Pet Talk Today Facebook page. Look for June 12th. I did a video, an hour-long video, just on counter-conditioning and desensitization, a brand-new video on counter-conditioning and desensitization. And we uploaded that to the audio podcast of Pet Talk today. It's episode 98. And you want to check out episode 98. So if you're not subscribed to Pet Talk today, the podcast, do that. Look for episode 98 or go to the Facebook feed. Find the video from June 12th and go through that hour-long tutorial, basically, on how do you use counter-conditioning and desensitization to be able to help your dog that we can reduce those fears, those phobias, decrease the behaviors that we don't want and start teaching the behaviors we want. And it's all about changing your dog's underlying emotional state. You're not going to punish this or correct this out of the dog. When I mean correct it, I mean using an aversive. You know, a lot of people will give their dog, they'll yell at them. No, they start growling. And you know what they do? They start creating a dog that no longer warns before it bites because they punish the growl. Punishment just suppresses the outward behavior. It does nothing to change the underlying emotional state. And that's what needs to change in the dog, the underlying emotional state. And that's counter conditioning and desensitization. So Lisa, I appreciate your question. That is a great, great question. And we talk a lot about counter conditioning and desensitization because we deal with a lot of dogs that have fears and phobias and uh, anxiety. Great. Appreciate the question. If you're just joining us, I'm Will Bangurl. You're watching Pet Talk Today. I'm here each and every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Eastern time where I take your questions and help you and provide you with positive solutions to your dog's training and behavior problems. If you've got a question, go ahead and type it into the comment section. Also, let me know as you're typing your question in the comment section, where are you watching from? And in addition to that, hey, what kind of pets do you have? Let us know. Um, so today I thought one of the things that I want to talk about is resource guarding. I'm going to get into resource guarding um, a little bit today. And when we talk about resource guarding, the first thing that you need to understand is that it's a normal behavior for a canine. It's a normal behavior for a dog. Genetically, in the wild, before they were fully domesticated, resources were very scarce. You might not eat for several days if you don't get a kill. And then you're sharing it with a pack. And what, what, how much do you get? So right from the get-go, instinctively, it's a dog's instinct to be a resource guarder. Now, that doesn't mean that every dog is a resource guarder, but they have the instinct to be a resource guarder. Okay, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that in a little bit. We're going to be taking more of your questions as well. But we need to talk about Calm Dogs. This is a labor of love for me, and Calm Dogs is the sponsor of the show. You can go to calmdogs.com or doganxiety.com. Calm Dogs is a natural calming aid. It's the world's most effective calming aid for dog anxiety, or it's free. That's my simple guarantee to you. 
I took five years to create a natural calming aid for dogs that would help with anxiety, fears, phobias, dogs that have problems with fireworks or storms, aggression, dogs that are afraid of car rides or grooming or vet visits. When taking calm dogs twice daily for six weeks, 98% of dog owners reported that their dogs improved in their behavior. Calm dogs is unlike anything else that you're going to find in the market. You're not going to find this on Chewy.com. You're not going to find it on Amazon.com. I only allow veterinarians, trainers, and behaviorists to sell the product because it is a very powerful product. Um, Matter of fact, in some cases, it works better um, than some medication. So check out Calm Dogs. Check out DogAnxiety.com or CalmDogs.com. comes with a money-back guarantee. All right, back to the show. I'm going to go back to uh, the questions here. Um, I would like to help him be more social, Lisa says. Well, yeah, Lisa, the way that you're going to do that is with the counter conditioning and desensitization, and that is going to take time. So check out the audio podcast, episode 98 on the Pet Talk today. Um, Go to like uh, Google Podcast or go to Apple Podcast or Spotify, Stitcher, Um, I think Amazon Echo, you can find the Pet Talk Today podcast. Look for episode 98. Um, Sandra has a question. She says, my dog is reactive also. She has been since uh, she was a pup. She acts like she's going to attack strangers. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do if I don't have a helper? Ah, that is a great question, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, having a helper is very difficult. So you need to really be creative and find ways to get helpers. Okay. But I know it's difficult for a while because, you know, dogs that are afraid and have all aggression is based in fear and and no dog, no animal goes into fight or flight unless they perceive something as threatening. Now, if you can't have helpers for a while, you can use a mannequin. Yeah, we use mannequins a lot. My clients all over the world, they have mannequins. I know it sounds silly, but it's hard to get a helper. And you can use the mannequin and you can, let's say that you, your dog is reactive to people that come over to the house. You could take that mannequin, dress it up, set it across the street as far away from the front door as possible. You get the dog to the front door. You open the front door. The dog sees the person across the street, or in this case, the mannequin. Now, if your dog is reactive and stressed out at that distance, we can't do the work. So just close the door. Now we got to start somewhere else. But let's just say that we're at a distance. Your dog's okay with that. We open the door. It sees the stranger across the street. In this case, it's a mannequin. As soon as you open the door and the dog sees the mannequin or the helper or the stranger, begin feeding high value food rewards constantly and continuously for about one to three seconds Then close the door. When the dog can't see the mannequin or the helper anymore, stop feeding. And you're going to do that over and over and over for about five to 10 minutes when you're doing a a session like this. And you're going to do these sessions three to five times a week. You're going to work at that distance for about two weeks. Then you're going to bring your helper or your mannequin a little bit closer. Not a lot. Don't get greedy. We don't want to get the dog nervous. The whole point of how we do this is so that the dog has a good experience each and every time. And we're conditioning, counter conditioning, pairing something very positive, the food with something the dog didn't like, changing that underlying emotional state that, hey, strangers are good things. They're nothing to be afraid of, but you've got to go slowly. You've got to go slowly when you do this, but check out the Pet Talk Today podcast, episode 98. Also, um, Hey, Sandra, if your dog has been aggressive and reactive since it was a little puppy, that usually indicates that at least a component, a component of your dog's behavior might be genetic. There might be a neurochemical imbalance. We know, we know that when it comes to fears, anxieties, when it comes to aggression, we know that they've got an abnormally low level of serotonin. And that's where, and this would benefit you too, that's where the calm dogs comes in. 
because Calm Dogs works to increase the serotonin. It also works with dopamine. It works with norepinephrine. You know, if you've got too much norepinephrine or adrenaline going, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be nervous. You might be explosive aggressive. So just know that the Calm Dogs could help your dog too. Check that out. Um, Going back to questions. Also, I've got some email stuff that I want to do. Um, Angela is from Redding, California. Ah, she's got a Belgian Malinois. Oh, I lost your, I lost your question here. Where are you in Angela? Belgian Malinois training as a service dog, people mix pets, cats, rats, and chickens. Love it. Love the Belgian Malinois. I've owned a Belgian Malinois. Um, very intense, very high drive dog, very intelligent working breed. Um, I don't recommend a Bel- Belgian Malinois for a first-time dog owner. I don't recommend it unless you've got a big home, a big yard. They can run around it. You've got a lot of time to give them a job. Uh, they're a working dog. If you're an experienced handler, if you've had dogs for a while and you've got the time to put in, yeah, that that is a great, great breed. I love it. Uh, Bonnie is here, and she says she's still working on bells on the door for Border Collie Hope. To ring to go out two months she does not seem the least bit interested uh human keeping it hum keeping it up still not working and any ideas um well yeah if bonnie go to my website dogbehaviorist.com dogbehaviorist.com go to the menu and click on the articles i've got a full article on how to teach your dog to ring a bell to go outside. To ring a bell to go outside. Now, first thing you've got to do is you've got to get your dog ringing the bell. And that's something that you're going to proactively teach. And then you're going to ring the bell and take the dog out. We're going to have the dog ring the bell, take the dog out. Have the dog ring the bell, take the dog out over and over. And we're going to reward that behavior. Um, There's more steps involved in that. And it can be challenging And I'm going to ask you too, are you using very high value food rewards? How are you motivating your dog to want to do the behavior? Behaviors that we're trying to teach has to have a motivator behind it. Also, timing is important. So every time the dog goes out, if we can get the dog to ring the bell, maybe the dog's not ringing the bell to tell us to go out, but we can get the dog to ring the bell. Then we take the dog out immediately. Bring the dog back in, get the dog to ring the bell, take the dog out immediately. Now, you got to reward the dog when it rings the bell. And timing is critical when we train. That's why we use markers in training. Good trainers use a marker system, marker training. Some call it clicker training. A clicker, that sound, that is a marker. That's one kind of marker. Some people use an uh, auditory marker like the word yes. Marker systems, marker training is about conditioning a secondary positive reinforcer or a conditioned reinforcer. So we've got about zero to a half a second to get food in the dog's mouth from the time it does the behavior for the dog to understand and connect the dots. Hey, I got the food because of the behavior. If I ask my dog to sit and I want to reward my dog with food and it takes me uh, three seconds to get the food in the dog's mouth, the dog's going to love the food if it loves food, but it's not going to connect the dots. Hey, I got the food because I sat. Because again, you've got to get the food in their mouth between zero and a half a second of them engaging in that behavior. That's hard to do. So what we do before we start training is we take that clicker and we pair it with food. We go click, treat, click, treat, click, treat. 30 times in a row, very high value, very tiny, about the size of a pea, maybe cooked chicken, click, treat, click, treat, click, treat treat over and over about 30 times in a row. We're going to do that for about three to four days. We're trying to condition the dog that click means you get a treat because when a dog does a behavior, we could click that clicker immediately. Then it would send the signal to the dog, a treat's coming. We're not late with our reward. So that clicker becomes a bridge to the food, but you've got to condition it first. But that's the beautiful thing is that you can have great timing as soon as your dog. Hey, even if your dog wasn't showing interest in those bells, what I would do is start shaping 
the behavior? What does shaping mean? It means taking successive approximations and rewarding them. So in this case, if the dog even looks towards the bell, I'm going to click and reward. Every time it looks towards the bell, click and reward. As I'm doing that and being consistent and creating that pattern, the dog's going to pick it up if it likes the food. Got to be high enough value. And it's going to start looking in that direction to get me to click. When that starts to happen, I'm going to raise my criteria as far as what the dog needs to do to get another click and reward. In this case, I'm going to want the dog to look and maybe take a step towards the bell. So I'm going to wait it out. Dog does that, boom, click, reward. Wait for the dog to take a step towards the the bell. Click and reward over and over. If you capture your dog going towards the bell on its own, click the... Capturing is about capturing behaviors your dog offers. Marking them and rewarding them. And then eventually we're able to put those on cue or command. You know, that's the way a lot of tricks are trained. Like I had a dog that naturally smiled and I started reinforcing that. Every time it would smile, I'd click and give it a reward. Did that over and over and over. Then after a while, when the dog knew that behavior had value and was offering it a lot to kind of manipulate me to do the click and the treat. Now, as the dog smiled, I started labeling that behavior. Smile, click and reward. The dog offered the smile. I label it smile. I click and reward. Well, as your dog starts to go towards the bell, you can go bell, click and reward. And eventually you can actually put this on cue. And when you can get the dog to ring the bell on cue, then you can take the dog outside, come back in, ring the bell, click reward, go outside, ring the bell, click reward, go outside, ring the bell, click reward, go outside. But check out my article on dogbehaviorist.com Go to the article section in the menu. You'll find, hey, I've got a whole article on how you teach your dog uh, to ring the bell to go outside. So check that out. Um, and Bonnie, did you originally look at my article? Did, are you working the protocol in the article or are you doing this differently? Let me know. Um, so Jan says, I've got a year old German shepherd. She will just lay down and not come when we're going into the house after a walk. Ah, very interesting. Um, Jan, is this every time you go for a walk, your dog does not want to go back into the house? That tells me your dog loves the walk or it doesn't like something that's going on in the home. I don't know what that's all about. However, what are you doing to motivate your dog to move? You know, in this case, do you have high value food rewards? Are you able to coax your dog in with food? Now, granted, we don't want to have to sit there and bribe the dog with food. That's, that's no fun. But initially, we've got to create the behavior. So if it takes food and a lure, if it takes me taking you know, some chicken, putting it at the dog, below the dog's nose and, and guiding the dog into the door with the food, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be saying, Inside, 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 as the dog is coming inside following the food, as the dog gets in the house, I'm going to click or I'm going to mark and then I'm going to reward. And I'm going to do that proactively over and over. Take the dog outside and maybe do this when we're not going for a walk. So I wake up in the morning, I get the dog outside. I lure the dog back in with food. As we're doing that, I'm going inside, inside, inside. Dog gets inside. We click and reward. Now we go back outside again. I've got more food. I'm luring the dog back into the house, going inside, inside, inside. Dog gets inside. I'm going to click and reward. Again, we are talking about markers. If you don't know about markers and training, they're critical. Check out the Pet Talk Today audio podcast, episode 80. Episode 80 is all about marker training. Episode 80 of the Pet Talk Today audio podcast is about clicker training and other marker training. Critical, check that out. That's going to be very important. But if you'll do that proactively, you know, you spend maybe a minute or two, do that two or three times a day when, when it's not related to a walk. It shouldn't take long before your dog will then go in on command. Your commander cue is going to be inside, inside. After you've been helping the dog with food, luring that food, we want to begin to fade out that food lure, okay? So you may then not have food in your hand after you've done this for maybe a week or two, 
pretend like you do and just bring that hand in. And as the dog starts to come in, open that hand, let the dog know that there's no food there, but you still got to click and reward once a dog gets in the door. You can work this outside too, make it fun. Hey, we go outside, click and reward. We go inside, click and reward. But that is something I would work on proactively. And maybe your dog needs more activity outside, Jan. Your dog's a year-old German shepherd, so she probably has a lot of needs as far as um, mental stimulation, physical stimulation. Dogs love to sniff. I mean, they braille the world with their nose. Getting outside, going for a sniff walk is super important for dogs. And if your dog's bored in the home and having fun outside on the walk, of course your dog's going to put the brakes on. That might be. I don't know if that's what's going on. If, if you guys have dogs, listen, it's the American uh, tragedy that dogs are just bored out of death and most behavior problems are a result of boredom. If you're not familiar with canine enrichment, things that you can do to stimulate them physically, mentally, emotionally, you need to learn about canine enrichment. I've got a great article on canine enrichment on my website, dogbehaviorist.com. Go to the article section, find the article on canine enrichment. There's also a video in that embedded in the uh, article that gives you great tips on do-it-yourself games that you can create for your dog, okay? Um, Mary has a question. She says, do you have a suggestion for my pup separation anxiety? Uh, that he only has with me. Someone else can be in the house, but he cries and howls the whole time I am gone. Even with 100 milligrams of trazodone, he's only 14 pounds. Well, the problem with the trazodone, Mary, is the trazodone is going to heavily sedate your dog. And some dogs, when they feel that sedation, it can sometimes make them more nervous because it's like we slipped them a drug in their drink and they don't know why they're losing their senses and their faculties. Okay. Uh, we've had great success doing behavior modification with dogs with separation anxiety that also took the calm dog supplement, the natural supplement that increases serotonin, increases the dopamine, uh, balances out the uh, glutamine and the GABA that the dog needs as well. Um, I highly recommend that you try the Calm Dog supplement um, along with doing the behavior uh, modification. Um, when it comes to doing behavior modification for separation anxiety, it's a little bit different. You know, for a lot of things that we're doing, we're using food. When we're dealing with separation anxiety, we're not using food because what we found was is that when we reward the dog, it gets them more excited. And with separation anxiety, we want to keep them as calm as possible. So the first thing that you're going to do, okay, to help your dog as far as, um, you know, the separation anxiety is you're going to walk away or outside and come back in immediately. Don't reward the dog. Don't look at the dog. Be as boring as possible. Go in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Do that as many times as you can throughout the day, having your dog experience that until your dog is so used to you going in and out the door for like a second. Dog's like, oh, been there, done that, could care less. Boy, you're boring. Now you're going to add a little more duration. Maybe you're going to add five seconds. Listen, when you add duration, when you add time to your absence, if your dog shows any level of stress, you've added too much time too soon. Your dog has not been desensitized. You've got to do this gradually. You're going to go out. Every time you go out, you're going to try to add another second. At the point your dog gets distressed, you got to stop, back up, shorten the duration. When you come home, you got to be very calm. You've got to be, you got to freeze like a tree. If your dog's excited, you got to freeze. Your dog cannot have excitable homecomings when you come home. It can't be an excitable thing. Oh, I'll see you later. I'm going. No, you can't do that. I also have articles on separation anxiety on the dogbehaviorist.com website on the article section. 
And like I said, when it comes to separation anxiety, um, that's one thing where the Calm Dog supplement is going to help a lot. It's not going to cure your dog. What we found is that when we use the Calm Dog supplement at calmdogs.com or doganxiety.com, what we found is that when we gave it to dogs twice a week for six weeks and we did behavior modification along with that, we found that we had a 92% improvement. But you've got to do the work, and it takes time. And the biggest challenge is that we need to avoid the triggers. So in this case, Mary, that means not leaving your dog so long that your dog starts to experience the separation anxiety. We can't have your dog continue to rehearse that behavior and that gets more and more ingrained because your dog is having a panic attack. Separation anxiety, oftentimes when it's at that level of severity, is a full-blown panic attack. There's no learning when you're in that kind of stress. The thinking part of the brain, the brain, the executive functioning part of the brain, the neocortex shuts down the dogs in fight or flight. We have to begin the coming and going short durations. Also, there's what we call the pre-departure cues that the dog picks up on that the dog has learned as a pattern that is a precursor to you leaving. Picking up your keys, picking up your purse. What are the cues that the dog begins to identify with, hey, mom's getting ready to leave? You need to start bringing those things out, like grab your keys and put them away. Grab your keys, put them away. Grab your keys, put them away. Grab your purse, take a step towards the door, put the purse away. Grab the purse, take a step towards the door, put the purse away. Exposing in little bite-sized pieces, super short duration. You know, you might be working every day, walking outside for two seconds and coming back in. And it might take two weeks for your dog to get conditioned where now you're ready to go out for four seconds. See, but a lot of you, you're going out for these long durations and your dog's panicking and you're just creating that association again with, with your dog. Now, I realize that, hey, it's a challenge. You've got to work probably. I don't know. Who's going to watch the dog when you're gone? Maybe doggy daycare, even though I'm not a big fan for the most part of doggy daycare. But when I've got a dog with separation anxiety, we cannot have them panicking. We've got to stop the long duration absences until we've done the work. And this is all about desensitization. It's not about counter conditioning. We're not pairing food with separation anxiety. We found that made it worse in the long run. But your departures need to be very, very short. And lots of them over a long period of time and little by little, gradually, systematically adding more time to it. But dogs that have that separation anxiety that's severe like that, they're also going to need either a supplement like the Calm Dog supplement or they may need medication. Now, you mentioned Trazodone. Trazodone is situational. Trazodone isn't going to do anything to change the neurotransmitter problem in the brain. Now, if your dog was on Prozac or an SSRI or like the Calm Dog supplement that increases the serotonin, that's different, very different than Trazodone. And the Calm Dog supplement is non-sedating. I don't want you to think this is going to knock your dog out. It doesn't. And it doesn't necessarily work right away. About 68, 70% of people found their dog had improved behavior after 30 to 60 minutes after taking Calm Dogs. 70% saw improved behavior. But when taken twice daily for six weeks, now we've got a 98% success rate. 98% of people found that their dog's behavior improved after they took Calm Dogs twice daily for six weeks. It's a long-term supplement. This is not just something you give and, and, you know, before fireworks or something like that. Like if you were to want this to help your dog for the 4th of July, you need to be giving it for weeks and weeks ahead of time. And it's something that your dog stays on. And there's a lot of dogs that their brain chemistry, like a lot of people, there's an imbalance there. 
especially when we've got dogs that are aggressive, fearful, or reactive, and there's no real threat, no threat whatsoever. You know, there's a lot of dogs that, as puppies, saw lots of dogs, saw lots of people, interacted with lots of dogs, interacted with lots of people, and did fine with people and dogs. And then they hit eight, nine, 10 months, 11 months, 12 months, a year and a half. Now they're afraid of or aggressive towards people or dogs. This happens a lot. It's not a socialization issue. Remember the dog I'm talking about or dogs that I'm talking about, they had lots of interaction with dogs and people. Those were good experiences when they were younger. Then all of a sudden it's like a switch, like somebody flips a switch. And now all of a sudden the genetic predisposition kicks in. Now, not all aggression is based in, you know, having a genetic abnormality. All behaviors have multiple contributing factors to them. But don't discount your dog's uh, neurochemistry. Don't discount genetics, physiology. Those things are a part of behavior. Um, so Sandra says, my dog is reactive also. Oh, no, that's, that's what we were just talking about, Sandra, your dog. Um, what if I don't have a helper? She acts like she's going to attack strangers. Um, you know, we talked about earlier, if you don't have a helper, you can use a mannequin for a while. Okay. Um, let's see here. Yeah, we're talking about Mary and her separation anxiety. Do you have a suggestion for my pub separation anxiety that... Mine too. All right. Bonnie says, yes, I followed your protocol. Hope does not care about treats, only personal engagement. All right. So Bonnie, does, does she care about toys? You know, and when it comes to food, you say she doesn't care about food. What have you tried? Are you using little pieces of cooked up chicken, little pieces of hot dog, something high value? But she may prefer a toy. She may prefer a toy. And, and if you're really struggling and you're following the protocol, you may need a consultation. It may take a little more individualized help. So you can go to my website, Bonnie, if you really need a consultation, and we could do that. Um, Katie says, my puppy likes to play by play nipping my other dog's face. How can I correct it? Well, first thing, Katie, um, it's very normal for dogs to use their teeth in their mouth and to be nipping at and biting another dog's face gently and lightly in play. And it might sound horrible, but dogs play with their mouths and they nip on each other lightly when they play. Now, if your other dog doesn't like it at all, if your other dog is crying or being aggressive towards this dog, that's nipping at your dog's face. That's a different story. Then we need to be addressing that. But is this an issue where your puppy is just playing? Now, it could be that you've got a puppy and an older dog, and the puppy is kind of wanting to play with the older dog, and the older dog doesn't want to have anything to do with the puppy. The puppy might be doing normal puppy stuff. Hey, I want to play. I want to, you know, and that's what they do. And your older dog might be, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But um, so, one of the things that you have to do, okay, is find a behavior that you can teach the dog that would be incompatible with nipping your other dog. So, for example, I might start teaching, because it's a young puppy, I might start teaching name recognition. So, let's say the dog's name is Bobo. I'm going to go, and this I'm going to do proactively. I'm not going to do this right when the dog's nipping the other dog. I got to spend time doing this and teaching this beforehand. So I'm going to spend a lot of time every day, about two to three minutes, three times a day, where I'm going to be calling the dog's name. Bobo, Bobo. As soon as Bobo looks at me, I'm going to click and reward. Then I'm going to do it again. Bobo, Bobo, Bobo looks at me, click and reward. As soon as Bobo stops looking at me, I start saying the name. Bobo, Bobo, Bobo looks at me, I click and reward. I'm going to do that for about a week. Then I'm going to raise the criteria for what gets a click and a reward. I'm going to say, Bobo, Bobo's got to look at me for three seconds now before the click happens and the reward. Okay. If Bobo can't look at me for three seconds after I've been just working on for several weeks, 
clicking and rewarding the dog when it just looked at me. I need to back up to maybe a second and a half or two seconds. But if I can go to three seconds, that's good. And little by little, I'm going to increase the time the dog has to look at me till we can get to about three to five seconds. When I can get the dog to disengage, when I can get the dog to disengage, then I can use that, the dog's name, to help distract the dog have the dog do something else. Then I could teach a dog to lay down. I could teach a dog to sit. There's a lot of things that I can do proactively. Now, when the dog starts to show, or the puppy starts to show interest in the other dog, I can call the dog's name and the dog's going to look at me and look at me for a few seconds. The other thing we can do is we can teach and use a thing called engage, disengage. Let me talk a little bit about that. And if you want to know more about engage, disengage, go to my website, dogbehaviorist.com. Go to the article section. Find the article on engage, disengage. There's a great um, uh, visual graphic there uh, for that um, as well. Actually, let me see if I let me see if I can find it and bring it up real quick here. Uh, oh goodness, where is engage, disengage? Do I have it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Okay, so engage, disengage. Let's talk a little bit about this. Um, so let's say we're doing this with your dog or the, you know, your other dog that the puppy is harassing, or maybe we've got somebody that has a dog that's fearful or aggressive towards other dogs or people. Well, we're going to start at a safe distance from the trigger. All right, that's where your dog's not reacting. You're going to be quiet and still so your dog notices the trigger on its own, he or she, right? Now, as soon as your dog engages and looks at the trigger, you're going to click. When your dog turns its head towards you, okay, you're going to offer a click and feed a treat. So you're doing two things. The dog's engaging, looking at the trigger. You're going to click. Then the dog should look back to you because it wants a treat, right? I'm going to click again for looking back to me, and I'm going to reward the dog. If the dog reacts or is not turning back to you after the click, you need to move further away from the trigger and do this at a distance where your dog's below threshold, because that just means that your dog is too nervous. Now, you're going to do this because that's level one. Your level one goal is to do that at least three to five times in a row at that particular distance before you move on to level two, all right? A successful repetition is when your dog immediately turns back to you after the click, okay? So your dog looks at the trigger. You click, the dog looks back. You click again, and then you feed the dog. That's level one teaching the engagement. Now, we're next going to go to level two, teaching the disengage. When we go to level two, let your dog notice the trigger, but now you're going to wait about one to five seconds and see if your dog will look away on its own and look at you. Because remember, before the sequence events was the dog looked at the trigger, we clicked. Log looked back at us, we clicked and gave a reward. So we created a pattern and what we're looking for, hey, is the dog willing to disengage from the trigger on its own and look back to you because it wants food? And when that happens at the precise moment that the dog disengages by looking away from the trigger, that's when you're going to click. And then after you click, you're going to feed the dog with a treat. Now, your level two goal is to do that at least three to five repetitions in a row before moving maybe one to five steps closer to the trigger. And remember, a successful repetition is when your dog comfortably disengages with the trigger on its own. Now, this graphic that you're looking at, that is something that you can get that's embedded in the article, Engage, Disengage, and you can find that on my website at dogbehaviorist.com. Go to the menu, find the articles, 
Dig through those and find engage, disengage. Um, that is a great thing to do. It's a great exercise uh, for anything. It, you know, basically that's counter conditioning and desensitization, but it kind of gives you a little bit of um, a little bit of a different take on it because we're teaching the dog to engage and disengage. Okay. And that's a great thing. If you've got a dog with any kind of level of fear, anxiety, phobias, aggression, reactivity, you definitely, definitely are going to um, want to do things like engage, disengage. Okay. Um, let me go back to questions. We got just a, we got a few minutes. I can go here. I don't know if I'm going to have time to go through resource guarding today. You guys have been great about uh, giving me questions. Um, <laughs> Bonnie's got a question. She's an observation. Why do dogs dislike UPS persons in brown uniforms? Well, because scary strangers with big, loud trucks, okay, come walking on my property. And it's a normal thing for me to be protective and bark. And when the UPS guy goes, I feel better. If I'm afraid of the UPS guy, I'm going to do a behavior to try to get that guy to go away. I'm going to bark to try to get the guy to go away. Maybe I'm going to lunge. Maybe I'm going to bark very aggressively. Now, you and I know both. The UPS guy left not because the dog was barking, because it had to get back in its truck and deliver more packages. But every time the UPS guy comes and the dog barks, the UPS guy leaves. In the dog's mind, they think their barking caused the scary thing to leave. That reinforces the behavior. The dog wants that scary thing to leave. If the dog thinks its behavior is causing it to leave, it's going to do that behavior over and over again every time to try to get that scary person to leave. That's called negative reinforcement. Reinforcement strengthens the behavior, that barking. Yeah, reinforcement. Now, you think, see, a lot of people confuse negative reinforcement with punishment. Punishment is using aversives to stop a behavior. Negative reinforcement is the removal of something unpleasant that reinforces a behavior. So for example, let's say you get in your car and you don't put your seatbelt on. Now something unpleasant happens. Ding, 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 ding. And that something unpleasant keeps going on until you buckle up. And as soon as you buckle up, the annoyance goes away. Something unpleasant, uncomfortable goes away. It's removed. Negative and negative reinforcement is a minus sign, the removal of something unpleasant. So behavior occurs. And if right after that, something unpleasant goes away, that's negative reinforcement. It's going to strengthen the behavior of whatever happened, whatever that behavior was right before that trigger went away. So that's what goes on. Um, it's not just the UPS people. You know, the UPS people are particularly bad because they keep coming back, Bonnie. They don't heed the warning, so to speak. Um, let's see here. Oh, the other thing, Katie, um, if your puppy is biting too hard on your other dog, that just means it didn't develop good bite inhibition when it was in the litter. They learn bite inhibition at about three to five weeks of age. They're biting and playing with the other puppies. And then when they, their teeth are sharp and when the other puppy goes, yep, they back off. So sometimes when a puppy is doing that in the real world, I might mimic what the other puppy might do. And I go, yep. And it kind of startles. It stops the other dog. And the dog starts thinking, hey, there's something uncomfortable that happens when I bite that hard. And if you're consistent, they'll, they'll stop doing that. Um, yeah, Bonnie says she's using Swiss cheese, chicken, bacon, everything she can food-wise to get the dog to ring the bell. Does your dog like toys, Bonnie? Is your dog toy obsessed? Okay, that would be the thing. Um, I'm going to go. I've got an email question that I want to dig through here and get that because some, sometimes I get emails from you guys and you send some great email questions. All right, a little drink of coffee there. So I've got a question from Bob. Bob is from Maryland. Bob says, I've got a three-year-old dog. And I've got a six-year-old dog. They got along just great uh, for the last three years. Now, all of a sudden, the older dog is becoming aggressive towards the younger dog. 
what can I do? Well, the first thing that you need to do is get your dog to a veterinarian and rule out any medical issues. Why all of a sudden is the older dog becoming aggressive when he had three good years? Is the dog in pain? Is this a space issue? Maybe your other dog has pain and needs space. Maybe it can't handle the um, play that it used to engage in because it's in pain. I don't know. But the first thing we do when we get a drastic change of behavior overnight, we want to rule out, is there a medical contributing factor to this? So we get our dog to the veterinarian. Then it would be about doing fun activities with both dogs together. Okay. You need to observe, Bob, you need to look at what is your younger dog doing right before the older dog starts to get upset, okay? And look at what the specific triggers are because they're not always fighting, right? There's, your, your dog wants distance and space from your younger dog for some reason. Why? Is your dog in pain? Is your dog starting to have cognitive decline? If it's an older dog, they can get Alzheimer's and dementia. And with Alzheimer's dementia, with cognitive canine dysfunction with older dogs, if they get that, they can be aggressive and explosive all of a sudden. Okay. In addition to that, we need to take a look at not only whether, you know, they got the conditioning with, with the other dog, but is your other dog doing behaviors that are upsetting the younger dog and the dog's responding to that and it's just a back and forth? Or are we just talking about, hey, there's something going on with the older dog. The younger dog's just being the same it's always been. But you need to watch that interaction with them. At what point does the older dog get upset? What's the younger dog doing? Is it something the younger dog always did before and it didn't upset your dog? Or is this something new? Okay. And it's going to be counter conditioning and desensitization, which I talked about, you know, the, the new podcast I did on the audio podcast, episode 98, counter conditioning and desensitization, which is the behavior modification tools that you're going to use. It's exposure therapy. It has to be done in a very specific way. You may have to separate your dogs, keep them at a distance for a while and start reconditioning the puppy moving in closer to the older dog as a positive. So you might have the older dog standing or laying down. You may have the younger dog, you know, 40 feet away, have the younger dog move in 10 feet if your dog can handle that and click and reward. Then back the younger dog up, bring the younger dog towards your older dog again, about 10 feet, click and reward. You're rewarding the older dog. We're trying to pair something positive with the younger dog moving towards the older dog. Is it the fact, you know, I'm, I'm, you got to check pain. I can't tell you how many times pain is a factor in this. It, it oftentimes is a factor in that. So check out the pain, okay? Make sure that's not it. If not, you're going to be doing counter conditioning and desensitization. And if they flip that switch, you know, how old is the older dog? When they're older than three, it's different than when they're younger than three. Hope likes prime person. So Bonnie's saying she likes people. Well, can you use brief love, praise, and affection, Bonnie, as a reward? But then the question is, how do you make that really valuable? Well, you withhold love, praise, and affection, except for when the dog is doing what you want with the bell. Now, all of a sudden, that currency, the love, praise, and affection, increases in value. Increases in value. And, again, and the thing with love, praise, and affection, timing-wise, you can still put that on, a, you can still condition that. But the love's got to be brief. It's be, good dog, and you're done. A little quick pet and praise. Good dog, and you're done. Looks at the bell, good dog, you're done. Looks at the bell a little longer. Good dog. You're done. But if I'm giving my dog love, praise, and affection all day long for doing nothing, 
it might not be your dog loves it, Bonnie, but will it be valuable enough to motivate the dog to do the work with the bell? You may have to manipulate that by withholding some of that love, praise, and affection and attention, except when working on, <clears throat> except when working on the bell. Um, let's go back through the questions here. Uh, let me see. Did I get through everybody's questions? It looks like maybe, maybe I did. So nobody took their dog to work yesterday. I asked the question earlier, maybe now that other people are here. Yesterday was National Take Your Dog to Work Day. Did anybody take their dog to work? Nope, I'm not hearing that anybody did. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate everybody's question today. It has been a fantastic show. Um, I'm going to be here next Saturday at 11 o'clock, just like every other Saturday, 11 o'clock Eastern time, where I take more of your questions and provide you with positive solutions, provide you with positive resources for your dog. Have a great weekend, everybody. Practice, practice doesn't make perfect, but practice does make for permanence. Have a good weekend, everybody.